Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Carter Worth, Steve Grasso, Mark Pepper, and Tim Seymour. Tonight on Fast, a warning from Samsung sending shutters across the semi-space today. The group's still down nearly 10% from the highs. Is there more pain ahead? Plus, stocks near records, but there's one name sitting out this rally that the chartmaster says is about to get a reboot. Hint, hint. He'll tell us what that is. And we start off with the markets putting on its own fireworks show on this 5th of July, staging a reversal. The Dow dropping more than 200 points at the lows of the session after a strong jobs report tempered hopes of a rate cut, but end of the day down just 40 points. Meantime, the yield on the 10-year yield jumping back above 2%. President Trump blasting the Fed when speaking to reporters earlier today. We're paying a lot of interest and it's unnecessary, but we don't have a Fed that knows what they're doing, so it's one of those little things. But if we had a Fed that would lower rates, you would have a rocket ship. Hmm. So what is the market saying now about what it expects for a potential rate cut this month? Didn't Bullard and Powell dress down the window for a rate cut last week, or at least going from 50 to 25 basis points? I think Powell should dress down the window. I don't think he should cut. At all. The market thinks that he should cut. But you, don't, you have limited amount of ammo, so why not string it out a little bit longer? The market's but, at all time. But wasn't nice. the argument that the Fed had moved too hard, too too far, and that this was One really, this, far, yeah, yeah, and that this was really more of, of a of an equilibrium cut, and that this was a proactive cut, which, by the way, markets like. If you look at the stock market, when the Fed is actually proactive as opposed to reactive in terms of cutting, it's a market positive event. The question is, has was good news today bad news for that? And if you look at Fed funds futures in terms of what we should expect for July, look, hundred percent in my view, we go twenty five basis points in July. I, I, there's no way to avoid and it. And the market's um, finished. How could the market really care? I mean, here we are with 10-year money basically as cheap as it is. Is there really a difference between 215, 225, 195? And the market's getting so excited, disappointed. The rolls, payrolls were good. They weren't good. It's absurd. Isn't there a difference, though, if it does bring the two-year down, the yield on the two-year? And so, there, so it prevents okay, maybe at some point the inversion you're taking of the, the yield all that. But at the end of the day, this is not what should be driving the market, right? right it's but about, to, it's but about to, the fact to, that to earnings revisions are the worst in, in, in almost 13 right. years for Q2 going into the quarter and that we're, we're slowing. But to Melissa's point, the reason why you saw financials lead was that, that if there's some type of action and you don't get of course, that inversion. Remember, these are stocks that are down still 30 and 40 percent. I, th- I think the big their highs. I think the big takeaway for me was that the market closed right around all time highs. We shook it off. You had retail space. A lot of these department stores that couldn't see a bid getting a bid back because maybe the economy isn't terrible. Well, I think that if you looked at the 15 best performing stocks in the S&P today, mm-hmm. they have one common character. They're all still about 30 40% below their 52-week high, meaning it's catch-up trade. If you want to do mm-hmm. something, it's that kind of thing, right. rather than the Microsofts, which are a little stretched. Is that a wise strategy, though, a catch-up trade? Um, no, I think right now, I think it still makes sense to be defensive. I mean, that defensive safety trade has worked very well since September 30th. I think it continues to work unless and until we hear a significant 
positive tone shift from CEOs on this next round of earnings calls. So in your view, what is defensive, just to be clear? Because some people will say defensive is healthcare, utilities, REITs. Others will say it's yeah. technology. So I think on a more yep. immediate basis, I would say defensive would be consumer staples, utilities, REITs. I love the healthcare sector. I just think there's too many uh, political headwinds right now. It's going to take a little longer for a lot of those stocks to really pan out. So de- defensive in the form of something like Google, where I look at the valuation, I look at the, the peg ratio, and I, and I say, I-, I can feel very comfortable here, even independent of the headlines. Uh, I do think that consumer discretionary, we spent a lot of time talking about fast food. We've t- spent a lot of talking about consumer staples. We've talked even a little bit about um, some of the, the discretionary purchases and even a, even a Nike, despite some of the news in the last week. I-, I think what Mark is saying is that during these times, these have been the names that have continued to outperform. This is one of those times. And I, I agree, Carter, with what you're saying in terms of who cares? what's 10 or 15 basis points on the margin. But this has been all about the Fed. This has been all about easing. This is why stocks are going higher. Uh, and therefore, it doesn't surprise me that the market is, 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 is oscillating here a little bit on a day when, frankly, there weren't a lot of people at their desks. But if you think about it, right, if you believe in the Fed model, you even a, a dividend discount model, if you believe in the inverse of the P.E., the earnings yield, the market should be much higher. Why isn't it, why isn't it surging? Why are we only basically unch for 18 months? Because there's, there's so much unknown in the marketplace right now. That no, exactly. That, All of which could right. break the wrong way. It, of course. This is the, that's the way markets are constantly. But I think it's kept the bears sort of on their heels. Because if you have, why would you want to lean in and go short the market or, or really go? I think positioning is the reason why the market's acting the way it's acting. The reason why it keeps rallying after every type of sell-off where people aren't long enough. They got caught short on the lows, and now they're trying to catch up. And a lot of those names are the retail space that's been performing terrible. People just want to cover now. I'm not sure I'm following, because you said if you're a bear, why would you want to lean in? But then you're saying... They got short at 27.22 in the S&P. They went all in. And then all of a sudden, you had this rally where Powell did his pivot, which we haven't seen in quite some time. And then that's where they had to catch up and cover. You can look at all of the work that's done out there. What are are the expected returns for equities? Forget about a a sort of a trading show like this, but looking out maybe two and three years from here. Is this a (laughs) risk-reward opportunity that's good to be in equities or otherwise? I mean, well, well, I can't can't put on that. that, That's not, I don't look out. I would say it's not not a favorable uh, trajectory. But if you would have said that, how how long? Ago, exactly. Could you have said that, that? It wasn't favorable. Well, that's the whole point. Right, but we're, oh, you would have been months and the... people have been bullish all the way, and we haven't done anything in a year and a half. But was were you bullish? And, and, and that's and the my kids, point. It, and, I'm not and, talking the, about Carter. The, the children, so to speak, the child still needs extra help. It's like, no, he's okay, but he's I got to keep but look going at the rally the teacher, that you would have missed. The Fed will help you. The Fed. But look at the rally you would have missed if you would have said because I could have made the case that it wasn't. You're not missing anything. It's 18 months with no pay and adjusted for risk. Given your outlook, Carter, because I'm sure there are people out there who are in your what would you invest in? I mean, basically, you have to either be, if you have to be in equities, yeah. you have to be in the safety trade, which is, and yet everyone knows how expensive utilities are, and they know how expensive reasons. So it's a game musical chairs, and people say, Wait. it's like almost like that, I have to keep dancing. But you don't. You can be in cash, or you can find a name here and a name there. But the notion that you have to be in equities, and you have to embrace this theme or that theme, growth versus value, it's all just not true. Well, yeah, and, and look, I agree on, an, on a risk-adjusted basis. Carter's telling you that if you, if you, for the last 18 months, dealt with the volatility we've had, which has been historic, um, not a great trade, but there have been 
plenty of opportunities to rotate in stocks. And we've seen uh, a pretty safe rotation period over the last uh, couple of months. So the question back to you, I would say, Carter, retail has underperformed the S&P by 20 percent in the last year um, from a chart perspective. Like from a mean mean thing like the XRT. It, well, I mean, now that we've gotten some affirmation that, that look, the six month payrolls are at 165 to 170 on average. And in the, in the one year I bring those numbers up is the consumers probably about the same place they were on a payroll number from where they were a year ago. And yet retail stocks are down 20 percent. So does today's number give you a reason to get more comfortable on oversold retail? Mm, well, we're maybe going to talk about one of those later. But that, conceptually, that's a trading thing. And more importantly, there's a structural problem in retail. I mean, that's the point of the XRT making 10-year relative lows. So before, we, before we move on, let me ask this question. If the Fed does not cut rates, which is what you think the Fed should do, not cut yeah, rates. Yeah, knee-jerk is going to be what you saw today. What would you, what would you, if you had a crystal ball, it's telling you the Fed's not going to cut rates. What do you do today to your portfolio? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's... You probably want to run. risk adjust. So, so, yeah. so, yeah. so, so, so you got to run for cover right. if the cost of 10-year money stays at 2%. So you, you need you more extra You sell now help. into that meeting, but I think Come that on, you guys. would buy the marketplace. But if you were in cash, you missed, this, you missed the market but up. You're this, saying that you, you're if, say, the, if the market doesn't get more extra help from the teacher. If the market doesn't get more extra help from the teacher. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Take a step back. If the market doesn't get more extra help, you've got to run. You said run. How about you let me speak for what you're asking me? You're telling me what I would say. So I don't think... I think that the that the Fed should be cutting. But I think that the market is. I'm, you, go ahead. Go ahead. I think that the market should uh, deal with what the market has, but right now the market is addicted to it. And so the addict needs more. And you're saying if the addict doesn't get more, you want to run. Do you want me to? Ch- you should have been a psychologist or that's, a psychiatrist. That's terrifying. You, you need you need to put on a different hat because the market right now needs the juice that it's getting from the Fed. That's it. Pro- you, it proves it constantly. That's my point. It and if you it. sat on the sidelines and went to cash, you made nothing you're, this year. You're you're playing a game. You're using words like addiction, I just want to make money. musical I just want chairs. To make money. Right. That's the point. I just want yeah. to make money. We got to move on here. Gold. Let's talk about gold getting hit today, closing out its first weekly loss in two months. But the chart master says to just keep buying bullion. Carter, head over to the plasma. Show yeah, us well, this is, this is something you should be long if you want to uh, sort of diversify your portfolio instead of just being long equities and uh, hoping for more drugs from the dealer. Gold. <laughs> wow. Here's the chart. No annotation of drawings by me. Here... One way to draw the lines. Well-defined tops at a common level, a well-defined breakout, and then we've pivoted back, right? We've dropped from last week's, well, this week's high of 1441 to about 1400. That's what's called a reaction buy point. Nice entry point if you're not involved. And if you are not big enough, it would be the time to get bigger. Pull it back. Another way to draw the lines. Pull it back a little more. Another way to draw the lines. But basically, this has all the elements of a major rounding bottom, you can get rid of that, and you could call it a head and shoulders bottom. But it all points to one thing, a big period of equilibrium that looks to be resolved. And the sell-off this week, I think, is quite an opportunity. Let's zero in a little tighter and talk about what's going on, a little bit of the conversation we just had on the desk. This is gold and the TLT. And, of course, uh, bonds sold off, gold sold off. But basically, what you'll see here is that this is a normal reaction, meaning after a big move, you rest. After a big move, you rest. After a big move, and we're doing the same thing ultimately in TLT, and I think you've got this same setup. I'll just draw the little staggered thing again. You get a big move, you pull back, a big move, and this consolidation ultimately, and that's the bet here, is resolved up and out. I want to be long gold, and if you're already long, I would get bigger. Is this a safety trade you'd buy into, Mark? 
Yeah, I think this is going to continue to work at least for the next few weeks, few months. Uh, like I said, until we hear that positive tone shift, if we actually hear that from CEOs. Um, where would we be putting money right now? I, I, I don't know that gold makes sense for us at this point for our clients. Uh, I really look at this as more of a really a calamity hedge. Um, use it as, a, as an inflation hedge, and there's really no inflation right now. In fact, we're fighting deflationary forces because tariffs are, are really going to weigh down prices. See, I understand why gold is rallying, and, and certainly we talk about the negative yielding assets around the world, the European bond curves, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a place where gold actually giving you nothing in terms of yield is actually positive. Um, Carter, about a month ago, I think it was probably a Friday show where our final trades, he was actually long gold and I was short it. Um, he was right because at 1350 for the last five years, we've been running up against this level, and this is the time that at least we've broken out to some point. And, and the question I have is really, uh, if we get less Fed rather than more Fed, um, what happens to gold prices? Chasing gold to me, yeah. um, and obviously I think we're all talking about this in the context of a, of a rational portfolio allocation. Mm-hmm. Sure. So whatever that is, 1%, 2%, 3%. But chasing it here, I don't feel good about. And chasing the GDX, I think is very, very dangerous here. Gold miners are not gold. Well, embedded in that sort of statement about the Fed is is what happens with the dollar. So do you see dollar weakness? Right. And the dollar's slumped and the dollar's recovered a bit. But I mean, it gets back to like, what does, if they cut 25, I don't really know whether gold likes that or doesn't like that. Um, ultimately, if they start really cutting. And they we cut 50, cutting, gold so, likes it. Gold likes it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Paul Tudor Jones pitched it June 12th. He said that it was his best idea for the next year or two. This, uh, gold rallied about 3%. And then when we saw on the 19th the Fed come out, it rallied another 6%. So I do think, to your point, if the Fed, if you get less Fed, you get less gold rally. All right. Coming up, financials, a bright spot in the market today, hitting a 2019 high. But one of the traders says it could be time to fade the group. We've got the details. Plus, Canopy suffering a bit of a hangover after CEO Bruce Linton said he was ousted from the company. But is there more to the story than meets the eye? Tim Seymour will read the weed leaves. Oh, my. We are live from Times Square Mm. in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Chip stocks taking a hit today after Samsung reported that its second quarter profits likely fell more than 50%. Let's get to Deidre Bosa down at the New York Stock Exchange with more on this. Deidre. Hey, Melissa, that forecast was actually better than expected thanks to a one-time gain, but pretty ugly otherwise. As you mentioned, Q2 profits likely fell over 50% as Samsung grapples with a chip market that's being hit by a double whammy of surplus supply and slowing demand. Now, the broader story here, though, is about Samsung's year of slowing profits and a global supply chain that is being hit by trade tensions. Analysts say that the trade war and the U.S. export ban on Huawei has hurt global demand for memory chips. If restrictions stay in place, 
that could pressure chip prices even further. There's also trade tensions between Japan and South Korea, which could be yet another headwind for semiconductor firms. Overnight, South Korean chipmakers LG and SK Hynix, they got hit harder than Samsung. And today you see American names like Qualcomm, Micron and AMD being dragged down. There could be a silver lining though for Samsung. While memory chips are its biggest business, it is the number one smartphone maker. So even though Galaxy S10 sales have been sluggish, Samsung could actually benefit from Huawei's pain. Remember that Huawei is the number two smartphone shipper. The idea is that if Huawei sells less phones, Samsung could pick up some of that slack. Now, Samsung also makes components for rivals in device space, and it is ramping up its 5G network equipment business. Other chip makers, though, they don't have that potential upside, and so they await revived trade talks next week. Back over to you, Melissa. All right, Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa at the New York Stock Exchange. So we're awaiting the re resolution of, of trade um, and this sort of lifting of the ban on Huawei. It's very unclear as to whether or not chips will actually be able to supply Huawei anything at this point. We like, don't know how truce. that shakes out. It, it's, not a peace, it's not a peace treaty. It's a truce um, in the short run. And this is a perfect storm for Samsung, who's getting hit on all sides. Even Japan has threw, thrown export uh, tariffs on them in terms of three core ingredients that are uh, restrictions upon them that are used into making memory chips. So if you think about the memory dynamic, you think about the smartphone dynamic, you think of the Huawei dynamic. Um, having said all that, Samsung has underperformed triple Qs by about 40% in the last year and a half. I, I actually think this is one of the best companies in the world. And despite these headwinds, I think the market has priced in an enormous amount relative to the peer group. At least within the peer group, I'd rather be long Samsung than be long a bunch of other chip players at this point. Such as? I mean, I just wanted to well, long yeah. Samsung as opposed to long Qualcomm, as opposed to long Broadcom. Sir, as I, I think, you know, leaving aside, and Qualcomm's a bit dangerous because of both M&A dynamics and some of the legal dynamics which could work for or against you. But certainly in terms of a Broadcom, certainly in terms of even an Intel, mm -hmm. um, which is a name I like, but I think Samsung's overly beaten up. And that diversity in terms of their business model is why it's interesting. Mark. So I like NVIDIA here. NVIDIA gives us uh, exposure to all those high growth end markets that we want to play, whether it's AI, autonomous vehicles, data center, gaming. It gives us exposure to all of those. They've, they had some crypto problems. They've kind of cleaned that out. I think it's priced for, for uh, priced at a really good level right now. I also like Broadcom as well. So Broadcom, um, you know, gives you some exposure to the software space with their recent acquisitions. So uh, we do like software over semis right now. You have access to the software revenues as a diversification play. So we like that one as well. I mean, AMD has outperformed. Intel, to Tim's point, has underperformed. I would say that you have to take some profits in AMD right now, even though there's been a bunch of uh, positive headlines and rumors about being involved in next generation Xbox and Microsoft uh, cutting Intel chips, adding AMD. I think you got to lock in your profits. I think it's up close to 70%. I, I don't know if I have that number right. It could be plus or minus 10%, but it's up a world. So I think take profits there. There's a lot of other spots in the chip market that I don't like as What's well. What's the best chart in chips? I would think it's AMD. Mm. Uh, NVIDIA is trying to bottom. But now, you mentioned something that's, of course, important. It's back to safety versus offense. You like software better than semis. I do, yes. That's a very defensive posture. Correct. Yeah. For more on semis, head on over to CNBC.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Either let us smoke weed, which it's our right to do legally. Or mm -hmm. it's bye-bye to AmeriCorp. We're out the dough. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Canopy shares are falling after CEO Bruce Linton said bye-bye to the company. But there's something Tim Seymour says Wall Street's missing about the move. He'll read the weed leaves. Plus, you can't sit with us. 
A handful of stocks have been setting out this record rally. But one of the traders says there's a big Dow laggard that's about to catch up. He'll tell us what that is. Much more Fast Money right after this. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com, that's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. The cannabis industry is up in smoke after Canopy Growth announced its co-CEO Bruce Linden was stepping down. On Wednesday, I spoke with Bruce on Squawk Box right after this announcement. I think stepping down might not be the right phrase, right? What, what um, On November 1, we closed uh, $5 billion, $4 U.S. billion uh, for about 17% of the company. And a condition of that closing was the board had uh, to be reconfigured uh, about eight months and two days later. Uh, I think the board had decided they wanted a different chair and a different co-CEO, so I'm out uh, effective immediately, and uh, there's a search to uh, replace the transitioning co-CEO. I was terminated. He was terminated. There is an argument that for uh, an entrepreneur who started a company, you bring the company up to a certain point, and then you release the reins. We've seen this time and time again in the tech industry. But this is an industry, supposedly, that is still on the upward trajectory in terms of growth. Would you really leave a company at this stage of the game. How do you read this? Well, again, it doesn't sound like he left at all. And it sounds to me like, think about Big Brother there. Big Brother is Constellation Brands, right. who is a global consumer products uh, company who, who's basically raised the ante on the entire industry. Um, and and you know, to me, first of all, if you want to speak about this holistically for the industry, this is actually good news, okay? This is about a sign of maturity for an industry that's had many different phases already in the last year and a half. For Bruce Linton, you know what? Ultimately, this is a very frustrating time for a guy that was a visionary and a guy that brought this company out of nowhere, arguably was the de facto leader of this industry. Uh, and that's, you know, that, that has to be painful, but it's not the first time we've ever seen this happen. And frankly, that's the issue when you have a global CPG company. By the way, Constellation, which was a family-run business too, that also had some major changes in the last six months in terms of a change CEOs. at the top. So yeah, yeah. it doesn't surprise if, me at all. If I'm a CEO of a, of a pot company, mm-hmm. though, and I'm bringing in a partner yep. that will invest a major stake and become the largest shareholder with board seats, I think twice maybe. Yes. I don't know. I mean, if I that, that, was my, that was mine when you, when you were doing that interview. That was my first thought because if you're, if you're, you need the money, you need the cash injection, you need the branding, you need all the promotional stuff. But what comes along with that are mature companies that run a whole lot different yeah. than the cannabis space. So I'd be, you'd be aware of that when you're raising money. How do these charts look, Carter? Well, I mean, this is more of a, a theme, right? A little bit like gold. Do you want to be exposed or not? And if so, how to do it? You might as well use the ETF the MJ, MJ alternative, and have some of it in your portfolio and play the long game. Just quick, are you in, in marijuana? 
We own Constellation Brands, so we have okay. the call option, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, Constellation Brands is a company that uh, they're used to making money, and they want to continue making money, and, and they're uh, really applying the full court press to Canopy right now to, to get them to start making money. So, All right. that's the way we play it. Time for the final trade. Carter? Walgreens boots on the long side, playing a lighter for ketchup. Uh, this is in that theme of the retail uh, space underperforming. I say Macy's. Maybe you get another couple of days of the rally out of it. Mark Tepper. Pepsi. We love the momentum in their snack business. Frito-Lay. Tim. Oh, you know, we didn't wish you a happy fourth a day late. Were, oh. you, were you flipping burgers on the I, grill? I yesterday? was not. What, 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 I was preparing listen. for Squawk Box this morning. How'd the fireworks go for you? It's fantastic. I slept right through them. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> slept through the fireworks. Okay. Well, don't sleep through Cisco because ultimately this is a company I think is leading the way in terms of security and software. That's really what they do. Cisco, happy day after fourth. Have a great weekend. Options Action's up right after this break. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.